This episode is sponsored by Anchor.fm. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. So let me explain. Basically, it's free. Secondly, there's creation tools that allow you to record and also edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. And after which, Anchor will automatically distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other platforms. You can also make money from your podcast with literally no minimum listenership. So it's everything you basically need in a podcast in one place. So go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm and get started today. This is episode three. It's um, called harmonizing. <laughs> Take notes. <laughs> I'm with Shelly Cohen and Natalie Bernstein. Shalom. Shalom, my homies. people and falling in love and whatever and it's so fucking bullshit (laughs) so fucking bullshit because meeting somebody from a different culture and like first of all you have the language difference (laughs) (laughs) of course and then 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 there's the accent which is really hard to understand it takes a really long time to like understand somebody's accent and like know what they're actually trying to say you know what i mean yeah especially middle eastern accents yeah especially that and like the like the cultural differences make it like some of the things that they do are so normal and you think it's so weird and you have to like talk to yourself and remind yourself okay where i come from it's not the blueprint it's not the original like i what's the time where that's happened to you i mean just like like for example i was seeing this russian guy and like when i went to go hang out with him and his friends like they were all just super fucked up but like not like an you know like when americans get fucked up it's like they're listening to pop music everybody's singing along there's beer pong there's some drinking game going on but like everybody's just kind of like inside or outside talking in their own little groups or just like not saying anything at all and just like dancing to trance music and like which is like it's like walking into a party and like what you expect as a party and then all of a sudden it's just like you, it just looks like everybody's on, like, absolutely on, like, fucked up on drugs. It's intimidating. And then you just kind of, like, you have to, like, remind yourself that, like, okay, well, like, I have to, like, adapt. I have to, I have to, like, 
situate myself into the situation and like kind of like uh separate like what you know from your other culture and just kind of like go with the flow with new things like try and like also like I don't know like I think that's why like Americans are so disliked around the world because whenever they go other places they don't try to indulge themselves in the culture they bring their own culture to but not like the good type it's like it's it's like oil and water you know know, when you go somewhere you have to be respectful you can't just like you can't just be a dickhead everywhere. You can't just be like, well, I'm from a different country, so I'm going to do what I fucking want to do, you know? True, true. I feel like, you know, one of the ways you... Like, one of the things you want to do in an international school is try to understand others. So how are you going to do it if you're going to impose your own beliefs or whatever on the other people? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So one thing I find interesting is, like, interacting with all the different kind of people we have here. Like, Tel Aviv is a crazy city. It really it is. is. And you run into, oh my god, when you meet somebody, you run into them again, like, so many fucking times. Yeah, and everyone knows everyone. There's some connection, mm-hmm. like, the Jew, it's the Jewish connection, man. Like, it really, I, I didn't believe it when I was living in Kansas, because there's no Jewish people. I mean, yeah. but all Jewish people know each other in Kansas, because there's so few of them. But, like, here, there, even though, like, there's so many Jewish people... There's somehow, some way, the one person you know will know somebody that knows this person or, like, that you have in common, you know? And yeah. it's And you'll just be, like, talking in a conversation. We'll be like, oh, wait, I know that person. I, do they own this place? Do they work at this place, you know? And yeah. It's, it happens all the time. I think that's true. I think, like, within industries, everyone knows each other. And also, I say this a lot, where Tel Aviv, at least from my experience, can to New York City it's very interpersonal like people are friendly they want to get to know you mm-hmm. also if you're I found um, if you're new here also if you're Jewish people are very like welcoming come to Shabbat dinner even if you're not Jewish they'll invite mm-hmm. you but yeah definitely find that it is a, a welcoming city I mean from getting here I was never like whoa like this is gonna be really hard for me to figure out how to exist here I feel yeah. like there's something that exists in the Jewish culture that's like I don't know. There's kind of like this uh, pass down of like helping each other out. Like no matter, mm-hmm. no matter where you're from, no matter what background you have, if you're Jewish, like, and like there will be other Jewish people that want to help you, no matter what. Yeah. yeah. No matter what, like if, for no other reason, just because you're Jewish, you know. Could be tribalism. Could be yeah. the Holocaust. But I mean, like a lot of us. I don't know. Like I just I don't feel like that. You know, like that doesn't really exist in the United States for example I don't know here like Israelis help Israelis out like that's even they say that you know like Mm -hmm. Israelis help Israelis out you don't hear Americans you know like there's it's it's such an individualistic culture it's um and it's also really hard when you move here to get used to asking for help that's something that I'm really not used to do like like very not used to doing I I under yeah I could see how if you're especially when you're coming to a place that's so different how it's hard and also just navigating very basic systems navigating banking systems the medical system which I need to utilize a lot everything's in Hebrew I mean at the same time like you should learn the native language but there are some things that are definitely really hard where we're like scrambling to find someone that speaks Hebrew or one of our Israeli friends that can help us yeah everything here is in Hebrew and the banking system is like the worst because like you have to wait for so long to get anything done, like it's bad. Yeah, yeah. But I feel like 
the way, like, because <laughs> life is so difficult sometimes here, makes it interesting. Yeah, it's like, it keeps you on your toes. Living in the States, everything you have at your fingertips, anything you want, you know, you order groceries online, you order food online, it, it comes within two days, you don't have to wait for anything, you don't have to go anywhere for anything. You really never have to leave your house if you don't want to. Like, if you really don't want to, you could not leave your house and you'd probably be fine. Yeah, that's the best part. That doesn't, there's no fucking way that could happen here or I don't know about elsewhere in the world, but like, it just, it keeps, I feel like that's why life is so like monotone and bland there. And that's why people have that experience in the States. Like, people who grew up and lived there, like, it's exciting from the outside, but it's just because it looks exciting from the outside. I don't know, for me, I feel like, particularly this semester, I don't know if it's the quarantine, COVID-induced living that we are presently living in, or, I don't know, in general, maybe it's the winter, whatever. I feel like I just want to be in my bed 24-7 and, like, not get out of the studio. Because, yeah. like, it's the best way to live. You can want everything now. Like, you can want groceries, whatever, you know? It's only 10 shekel delivery charge, but that's okay. Because it's groceries anyway, so... But, like, that's how it felt at the beginning of lockdown. And then at some point, it just, like... You're just like, I need to get the fuck out of here. Mm-hmm. Like, I need to get the fuck out of here. And then all of a sudden, you go out into the real world. And you get anxiety about being yeah. around people. And just, like, having to go out and shop again. Like, not even, not even like, so much about the COVID aspect. But just about seeing people again. Like, yeah. I never thought that... I just... I never thought that that would be a problem coming out of this. Like being so scared about like seeing people and seeing and like I forget what it's like to have social like pressure you know like having to I feel like I have to dress up every time I leave my house now because it's so it's like I'm leaving for you know and finally I get to go and people people are seeing me again so I have to dress up I have to put on makeup but it's it's all in your head all in my head. Well, we, yeah, we put on makeup just ourselves to hang around here, too. Yeah. Yeah, just feel. But I feel normal. <laughs> I feel like one of the biggest things that people don't give themselves enough credit for is, yes, everyone's going through the pandemic. Yes, it's shitty for everyone, but, like, you have your own unique struggles that you're going through, and just by, like, existing, just by being around, you're navigating it. Like, you're figuring it out, and you're developing, like, coping mechanisms in this fucking absurd time, and, like, we're all figuring out our own ways. Sometimes they might not be great, but you have to go through that to figure out how to live during this. Do you think, like, being, a, like, adaptive, like, do you think it's 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 better to remind yourself that it's temporary or always, like, do you think it's better to be more realistic and be like, this could be, like, this could have longer implications? I think with, I think everything is situationally temporary and you can't really worry about, I think, I don't know, it's the same as, like, wondering if you're going to die any day. You can't yeah. really live like that. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. That's how I feel. Because sometimes, like, I feel like when I'm in, like, a depressive episode or whatever you want to call it, and I'm, I remind myself it's COVID, like, it's okay to feel this way. And then I just go back to being depressed. So it's like, okay, I have an excuse to be depressed, so I'm just going to be depressed. Like, there's nothing to look forward to whereas if like if I thought about it differently like I feel like I yeah I could change that but like if I I feel like if I keep reminding myself that it is COVID then I'm just gonna keep doing like the same shit that's not good for me yeah I just I feel like that could be I don't know that's just about what's triggering those feelings yeah and what parts of that and back when you're saying it's temporary this made me think of something that like 
how we measure our mental states and like the progress and like yeah I had a fucking shitty week but like compared to four months ago when I was in a bad place this shitty week would have been two weeks yeah and even if you do slip up from that just keeping it all in perspective because like situation may be temporary but you gotta live with yourself the whole time that's true that's true I mean, I feel like when I was in India and I was just, like, spending my time locked into my room, just reading, writing, and, like, listening to music, not really doing anything particularly exciting. And then when I came here, you know, it was all of a sudden a lot of freedom, all of a sudden an hours to go out because, you know, I'm here. I can finally see a few people that I know, you know, like, mm-hmm. it will be nice. And then I realized maybe I was just, like, being too anxious about the whole COVID situation and like putting myself into this bubble, which I did not want to be in, but I was putting myself into this bubble because I thought, you know, I have to sacrifice my, you know, schedule for someone else to survive because I don't want to be a COVID trans, uh, you know, whatever, passer to someone. And so when I came here, I realized, you know, wearing masks and going out, it's so much more, it's, it's not, it's not like we have to stop the entire civilization mm-hmm. to tackle this. Yeah. Like I now well, do we see, have the opportunity. Yeah, we did have the opportunity, but we all blew it. <laughs> and, but to be fair, like, I mean, like it's not actually possible, but we could get rid of, like if everybody stayed in their house, everybody at like this moment in time just stayed mm-hmm. in their house for two weeks. Yeah. Been, yeah, that's that's what I thought I was doing. I was like, you know, but then it's, I saw everyone. Possible. Yeah, it's everyone was going out. Everyone was going out. It was crazy, man. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy how the countries that have taken those actions, like people that actually were like, all right, we're going to do this. Yeah. I don't know the specific stats because I'm just so sick of all the corona stats right now. But there are countries who did this from the start and now they're all chilling. Yeah. And sense. I don't know about here, but at least America, no one has that much like collective trust and collective yeah. faith in each other to want to do that yeah i don't know I, I think it's always a bad idea that you know people politicize science it's never good it always leads to disputes because it's not the same politics is an ideology we have science which is facts which yeah is the only thing with that is that it's and at least through religious studies i've learned it's all about like our framework for understanding like for certain Eastern civilizations or whatever, we look back in history for people who weren't operating from the scientific method from the start. It's just a different way of viewing things. Like, yeah, yeah science yeah. is totally mm-hmm. facts and it shouldn't be politicized at all. But somehow people get different frameworks to be more present in their life. So they want to do this since climate change is a myth and this and that. Yeah, true, true. Because something, something is more important than that. That we find very irrational yeah. as yeah. Yeah, it's more scientific people. It could be the influence of esotericism, though, because everyone in everyone from the West would, you know, associate East with esoteric beliefs and practices and theories and everything esoteric. And so when you have something like esoteric existing within exoteric, there's always going to be a problem. Yeah. Because everyone's going to have a conflict of thought. And so, you know, this is what we're experiencing. And we have to experience this because it's a... It's only a product of globalization. Yeah, completely. No, this is bringing me back to, like, with the Fre- in the French invasion with Algeria, like, Houdin went to, like, present magic and was really just doing basic science to kind of, like, be like, look, I know science and you're fooled by it. Ha ha. So exactly what, what you're saying. What do you, like, if, if we pass globalization in, 
like us, whatever, in our evolution of humanity, what's, what's beyond globalization? I mean, what's, what's Elon Musk is gonna colonize yeah, Mars, Mars, so we so never know. Bad. He probably might go universal, you know? Yeah, I don't know, I guess no globalization means like equal understanding and like validity of cultures, which isn't gonna happen. And after we enter like a new era, how, like, on average, how long do these eras last and like how do we measure them as an era? Like, there's like the the industrialization like is that an era is like is uh the age of technologies is that an, is that the beginning of yeah, if there's like a separation of eras like they all overlap each other so then like do they go into their own separate <laughs> categories or are like is it all like exactly you know, you know it's the issue, yeah like, it's the issue of periodization like separating history through certain periods which is usually defined by western intervention and imperialist intervention so yeah the way we're scaling all of that stuff that you're mentioning is based on like the West yeah. trying to fuck shit up. Yeah. yeah. So it I don't know. How do you think of it if you're not thinking about it in periods that we define like mm-hmm. through our evolution. Yeah. Evolutions yeah. of cultures or certain ideas. Because yeah. it was I don't know, I feel like it was easier to pinpoint it, but now there's just so much it well I mean I guess it's I guess it would just be the eight I guess the era era of information, mm-hmm. if anything. I feel like that's like I feel like that's the umbrella category because yeah, I feel like you can place everything underneath yeah. that. Timelines are interconnected, so you would say that, you know, globalization more or less is a result of industrialization. Yeah. You can say that. Mm-hmm. And and so information would also be, you know, coming as a product of the other revolution we had in the past. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, timelines are always interconnected. That's why we have, like, past, present, future. So it's like a, it's like a wave, you know? Yeah. Interesting. But I don't know, politi- politicizing science is just definitely like, like it's just dumb. Yeah. Purest science, dumb. It's just what are you holding on to that you can't accept like I don't know, just a form of science, just like something that's so important to your life. Mm-hmm. Because we as like a community can only operate if we have facts that we all agree upon. If there's no consensus, there's no community, there's only individualism, which is kind of like a flaw of democracy, you know? If you're going to have a democracy, everyone's going to be individualist. You know, everyone's going to have their own unique ideas. Everyone's going to have their own beliefs, and they have the right to. You cannot deny them, Mm because it's in the Constitution. But when you, you know, like, target... I don't know, it's just so messy when you think about politicizing something so... Something which has kind of, you know, developed a community around the world. If, you, if you're going to yeah. dismantle the base, how is any building going to stand upon it? It just doesn't make any sense. And people don't understand it, you know? People would be like, Jesus is Lord, and you know, but like yeah. Kenneth Copeland, but like, it's hilarious, I don't know. Even more simplistically, just like, basic human rights that are violated so frequently and so consistently. Like, how is this happening? How are these things still fucking happening in this world? How have we not learned how to be not bad, like, not such terrible people, like? Sure. Also, the more more I meet people from around the world and, like, talk to them about their experiences in their own countries with whatever, like, with their governments and police and, like, compared to the United States, I'm always just reminded, like, like, 
I don't know the things that I like as a as a liberal like the things that I like uh, passionate about I guess Mm -hmm. seem so minuscule sometimes to other to other people's like problems in other countries I don't know like just especially like the corruption in like East Europe like now that I'm hanging out with Russians like all of the shit that's going on there like I I had like I mean, I had an idea, but, like, I had no fucking idea. Like, truly no fucking idea. I feel so ignorant. And, like, I, it feels so small. Like, what's going on in the States, but why is it such a big deal? Why is it so... Why is it so globalized? But, like, all of these other major problems, yeah. major fucking problems in other countries are, like, never talked about. Why is the United States so, like... Why is it so... I think it's first because the United... Like, we already had the platform. We already were everywhere and, like, invaded like this. But now I think something in today's, like, political discourse, it's just who's the loudest and who's going to say it the most. Yeah. To drill messages into people's brains because that's how... We, like, interpret everything now from signs and, like, from what we're hearing all the time. Like, obviously, we're all talking about Corona all the time because it's there. It's everywhere. Exactly. Mm -hmm back to what you were saying about information completely yeah yeah and just i don't know like i feel like the united states was able to corrupt (laughs) the spread of information better than anybody else could Mm. i feel like subtle not like overhaul but like push their message in there but then again am i do like even what i'm saying like i think that america is the most like corrupt like do i even fucking know because i don't know anything about other countries like you know, like... Yeah, I think you can... I don't know. Propaganda. Yeah, you like, can just deem it in terms of, like, exposure to the first world. Yeah. And honestly, like, I mean, people are pretty, like, um, aware of... I mean, for the most part, uh, like, Facebook, for example, like, Mark Zuckerberg's bullshit. Like, mm-hmm. you know, if... Uh, what is it that he's... What is it? No, yeah, but, like, what he... But, like... What right now, what is he, for? like, what is he, he's, like, it's taking money for political ad, or he's not, he's not censoring political yeah, ads, think, he's not, I yeah, know, I think I he's not, said, he wasn't censoring political ads for, and that, like, he, he refuses news. to, because it's, like, he says it's, like, something, you know, it's the First Amendment, whatever, free speech, but, like, is it really, is it free speech, like, how, do, where do we cross the line, you know, when we're spreading information, you know, like, I feel like it's, like, the misinterpretation of misuse of information today, because, like, the way we use information has to do something with the way what we're dealing with right now mm-hmm. because this is the age of information as you said right and so if everything you know gets because we record like a thousand cases of like millions of cases of you know murder rape and so everyone is kind of desensitized yeah when you overplay something you know everyone's already thinking you know oh, yeah. these are basic human rights they have to be there but then you see this article that someone got mistreated or someone's in jail because they had like a marijuana on them which is definitely yeah, doesn't yeah. make any sense right what but, you were, yeah what you're saying yeah, about de- desensitization especially in the u.s like within the black lives matter movement in terms of like graphic imagery people reposting it and people not within the like bipoc community just passing around these images and it's just like how are, I don't know. It's just how are we holding life? How are we valuing it? I was going to say, I feel like the English <laughs> language was, like, set up to be, like, 
I like sometimes I feel like it was it was uh, like set up to be used in the age of information. You know, like the way we have so many words to describe good and bad and and just like basic basic things that in other like basic words that in other languages it's just they maybe have three variations of it and that's it. Like I was talking about like how like you know when I'm when I'm talking to other people that don't know English and I'm saying all these words and they just have you know like I'm saying spontaneous or whatever and they're like what is that and I'm you know it's I don't know you know do you get what I'm saying like yeah all of these words that exist that like we just have so many word like adjectives to describe the way things are and like that's that that's how it's used in propaganda you know and used in like the age of information to like it's used against ourselves do you see what I'm saying yeah linguistics is really interesting and how it's used and like yeah I don't know if that was a good No, point. no. <laughs> no, there's a whole philosophy of language out there. You're right. But I can't, like, I can't think. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. That was a good one. That was good. Should we, like, post a story to ask, tell people to ask us questions? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good thinking idea. That. Should we yeah. all do that? And we're back. We're back. Yeah. <laughs> Is it loud enough? I mean, hopefully it should be loud yeah. No, yeah. Wait, I'm gonna clean really quick. Okay. Clean yeah, what? Like, do the dishes and, like, like put everything together. Okay. Because I know if I don't do it, I'm, like, in it. I can do it. If you want to do it now, I mean, go for it. I feel like Shelly has that vibe right now, which you have after you, you have, like, an intellectual conversation, so you kind of walk. Yeah. So now you're like, okay, I need to get my shit together. <laughs> so I'm just gonna clean up everything. Yeah, I don't know. At least it's like, I at least want it to be like organized yeah. to clean tomorrow, you know? Yeah. Like, I don't want it to be like a complete. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just gonna like put things away really quick. Yeah, I can put all this in there. But no, art through diagnosis is so. It's crazy. Well, the crazy thing is that I have this piece. From like right when I became hypomanic before I had like the manic episode that landed me in a hospital and in it like There's like it's like a I can show it to you. It's from a bit ago. It's from 2016 Okay, So here it's like You see she's sitting there with all of her thoughts on top of the city and there there are two bodies like it's one leaning sleeping this way and the other sleeping the other way Yeah, so like two bipolar and like this is what I find, like, I'll do something and then I find the meaning and how it connects to, like, where I am right now after or while I'm doing it, like, with that one. Do you feel like you're... Okay, what does... Uh, what, which part of the bipolar spectrum benefits your art more? Is it the mania or the, the depression? Um, the thing with me is, although I have bipolar 1, I don't get the mania. Yeah, because I'm on meds, and I mean, still it fluctuates sometimes. It depends on so many factors, like what your lithium blood level is for me. But I get depressed. I get depressive episodes, definitely. Like, when I'm off balance, I'm not manic. Like, the signs of mania that I have manifest just in anxiety of, like, really having racing thoughts and stuff like this, and also, like, physical anxiety, too. So I guess it's good that, like, the mania side of my bipolar that could land me in the hospital is like pretty consistently controlled which is good which is very which is definitely good but through the depression definitely like with writing poetry which I don't do as much but with painting too yeah that's when it comes out 
which is, yeah. Like, I, f I used to find that I could only, like, really make art late at night when I was, like, depressed and in my feelings and in my thoughts. More recently, it's just been, like, in the past month, like, this week, during the day again, and, like, I don't know. I think it's, it's good that it's kind of, like, bringing my expression of my demons, like, into my everyday life. Kind of being comfortable with, with sitting with that, not letting it freak me out, but also, like, in that painting, like, having perspective. Yeah, I yeah. feel like when I was in high school, I would find comfort in the idea of sadness. I would see sadness as a beauty, and so I would try to make art out of it. Yeah. And feel happy about being sad, because yeah, when you're sad, everything is hopeless. So you still want to find a meaning within that hopelessness. Yeah. And so maybe art is a medium in that way. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Like, being sad versus being numb. Like, when you're sad, you're still feeling. Mm -hmm. Sometimes when you're numb, you're not, not really feeling. That's maybe the scariest. Yeah. Yeah. It's hilarious. People wanted us to talk about marijuana. <laughs> I know. Yeah. People wanted us to talk about weed. For those on the podcast, we put up uh, some questions on Instagram. Not many people responded, but we got some pretty, got uh, back. pretty good, you know, topics. Yeah. Like weed, hashish. We have IDF, and we had some other ones IDF, too. um, hmm, I'm not sure what else, I don't remember, cooking, maybe. Weed, we can talk about weed. When did you start smoking weed? When I turned 18. Yeah? <laughs> not like wow. when I literally turned, like when I, I feel like when I got to Tel Aviv when it was the point when I became a stoner. Yeah. And I think that would be a, yeah, I'm a stoner, uh, <laughs> it's a fact. I've been smoking, I love smoking, I love weed. It, it goes well with my body, it doesn't make me, yeah, it does make me lazy when I'm too high, but it's not as if it completely, you know, destroys my ability to function in real life. Yeah. So I feel like weed is my drug. All speaking of weed. Preference or, or, you know, of my, I don't know, it goes well with my body. Yeah. Like I could be so high and I could be sitting throughout classes and still be able to function properly, listen and, you know, talk to professors and participate in classes, it's not, it's not as if it's a, it becomes demolished because one of the signs of, you know, addiction and also the element of addiction where, you know, you feel, you feel almost manipulated or, you know, obsessed with the compound so much that you cannot get out of doing that compound. I don't feel the same on weed. On weed, I, I can still function. I can still, you know, be writing papers, writing my own stuff, reading, you know, listening to music, whatever, on me. High-functioning stoner. Yeah. True. It could be high-functioning stoner. Yeah. I'm a high-functioning stoner, guys. And it's chill. It's completely okay. It's, com it's 2020. Everything's, you know... It's 2020. I don't think I need to go beyond that fucking... But also, it's super normal here. Yeah. Yeah. Where but sometimes, think? sometimes I, I do wonder, though, like, you know, being a high-functioning stoner, what does that even mean? And, like, sometimes you get so used to the way that your work is that that's what you think is your best, but, like, all of a sudden you take a break from weed for a little bit and you're just like, oh, that's what it's like to be sober and, like, be productive, you know? Like... I feel like there are other, you know, it, it is, you can be productive when you're a stoner, but it, there, it's, it's different. It's, it's very different. And like, I think you have to remind yourself that, that like, you can be a productive stoner, but I think you should like, 
know what tasks are really good for you when you're stoned and what tasks are not. Um, especially when it comes to work, I think too. Um, <clears throat> like your job or whatever it is, you know, you can do your job while you're high. Um, and I'm not saying you should, like, I just want to, I want to say, like, I don't think you shouldn't get high at work. I definitely think that's a fun <laughs> experience. But I, I don't think it should be a regular thing because I, um, it's, I don't think it's what it's meant to be for. It's not, it's, it's not meant to be part of your everyday life. It's supposed to be your escape. So, like, if you're, it, you have to, like, you have to be a part of reality at some point, especially when it comes to your livelihood, you know? Yeah, I agree on this end. We do, there is the, there are the, like, the medical benefits for some people with, like, chronic diseases. Also with me with epilepsy, like, CBD, I mean, CBD isn't marijuana, but, like, I've been prescribed CBD before. Mm -hmm. Like, it's a pretty common epilepsy treatment, which is interesting. So to see, like, it, it does help people and with anxiety and with, like, eating disorders as well to eat. Um, and just a lot of other things that can help. I don't know. Definitely. Definitely need to, like, know when, though. Also, I couldn't go to work high. Yeah. Also, like, microdosing shrooms, too, I've heard. Like, I, I mean, I knew it was a thing, but, like, now it's really becoming, like, uh, they're actually, you know, aren't they? Yeah, they're, it's already, did you hear Oregon has legalized all drugs? Mm, really? Yeah. What is all drugs, though? Everything. So the way this model works is very simple. It's functioning in Portugal at, mo at the moment. I don't, and the, yeah, okay. I don't know this. Okay, the way it basically functions is that, you know, you legalize all the drugs. And so instead of, you know, putting people into jail for, you know, their drug criminal offense, you get them into addiction centers, you give them a write-up note or like a fine, you know, at best. So that kind of, you know, raises this thing war, that you know, war on drugs has failed. It has failed miserably, it's not working. So it's like they're doing the opposite of the present model we have. And the results are fascinating, at least, you know, what we see in Portugal. And I feel like what's going to happen in the future wow. if, you know, people are careful about these substances, yeah. of course. Yeah, I think it, it, Oregon has done definitely one of the best things ever. It's interesting. Yeah. Legalizing everything. And so it's your choice completely and upon you, what you do to yourself. It's no longer yeah. a third party entity entering also, into your world. What I what I always thought was interesting is like um nonprofit organizations giving out um, you know, free clean needles to people on the streets. Um, you know, instead of uh I feel like that's also like I, I, people look down on that and they're like, the, "Why are you? Um, what's the word? Um, Providing encouraging, like encourage, no. not encourage, no. like impl, in, not like in incentivizing, ableizing. Ableizing. Uh, I don't no. know. It's not really incentivizing, but maybe some people see it that way. It's maybe aiding a aiding the addiction. I mean, in the yeah. first place, yeah. like the medical system. Like with Oregon now, you're mentioning this like statewide institutions and the medical system and government run fail us very deeply and and addicts and also like it's hard. I don't know. I've like have addiction in my family and I've also like I went to a mental health place that was meant for like people dealing with substance abuses, but it got to the mental health route. So I wasn't dealing with the substance abuse problem, but. Like, the therapists there were really good at finding roots for things. But what I found was how, like, 
I don't know, just how it starts with people and how commonly it's from people being prescribed opioids and stuff yeah. like this. I saw that in this facility. And just, I don't know, the dependence, it's really, it's tough and the solution doesn't seem accessible besides this, but True. I don't know how it'll go. No, yeah. opioids is definitely... I, I mean, I, I, I think just like, a, I do think psychedelic experiences really change someone's perspective, especially when it's... If it's regulated, like I think it could have amazing results, and we won't. But also, again, you know, like all these conspiracy theories that they're like, you know, hiding the truth, and that's why the pharmaceutical companies exist to, um, to um, capitalize. Uh, yeah, to capitalize, and exactly. And so, um, I don't know. I sometimes I don't want to buy into that bullshit, but like at the same time, like we have all the resources and the information there. The studies have been done, and like it's just like still just like snails moving like just nobody gives a fuck yeah nobody gives a fuck there's a good patriot act episode on, on yeah, opioids yeah, yeah if anyone wants wants to know more yeah good show good show yeah, that's hilarious how you know people were using heroin heavily during the war days and mm, and cocaine oh my oh gosh my. the nazis use of drugs yeah. was cr- crazy Freud and, you know, cocaine mm-hmm. was a love affair, a yeah. chemical romance, or whatever you want to call it. A psychoanalytic chemical romance. <laughs> well, I think I, I don't, I don't know, maybe this is common knowledge and I'm just stupid, but, like, I learned in Techno-Utopia that everything, at literally everything that exists was for military purpose. Literally everything that exists in our society, every object, everything that exists, the way that it's innovated is because it was used for military purpose. Like, if you really just think about it, if you really just think about it, just think of an object and it had like some purpose that was used for it. like there's some reason there's some like i don't know it's really interesting hmm. that makes sense i'm gonna look up, gonna look it up. techno utopia was a trippy class <laughs> yeah yeah it sounds cool from what i'm hearing so far yeah yeah it's based around counterculture and <clears throat> Kind of also covers the rise of psychedelics back in the 60s with Leary and everyone. Mm. Yeah, it was an interesting class. I took a youth culture class once, that was interesting. Mm-hmm. I yeah. think I do have that class next semester. Yeah. School. Yeah, that's our university. <laughs> yeah. I like school. I miss going to Caffinetto, man. But someone someone was telling me this week that, you know, Caffinetto is back open and people are coming. Uh, really? Damn. Yeah, we can go back to the Yeah, place. we can go there for a day to work. Oh, I have to burp. Yeah. I'm single. <laughs> I don't know. Someone said we should talk about hashish, but have you tried hashish here? I don't know if I've tried it. I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I have. Hashish here okay. is mediocre. I, but I, I did it when my tolerance was super, super, super high. So, like, I feel like I didn't really get it. Mm-hmm. Like I was smoking way too much for way too long at the time, and I wasn't even getting high. You no. Know? Yeah, because like, hashish is more of like a mellow high. Yeah, and I really didn't didn't yeah. pick it up. Oh yeah, I was gonna make nachos. Oh yeah, nachos. <laughs> Yum. We could talk about food and cooking. You don't like yeah. to cook. Yeah, I, it's just I don't know. I'm weird with food. Also, I'm letting this out there. You know, um, I don't know. I've just always been weird with food. I'm more of a liquid person, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, I would keep drinking throughout the day and not feel bad about it. But not, like, alcohol, just, like, drinking in any liquid sense, you know? Like, 
water, coffee, tea, mm -hmm. beer, anything. I'm more of a liquid person. Or juice. I, I love juices. I feel like that's how I kind of like, you know, balance out the missing the solid product. But with solids, it's like, I don't know, I've always just stuck to the specific meal type. Mm -hmm. Maybe because I've always been lazy and like kind of weird about trying new food, but I don't know. But not from time to time I try. Yeah. Yeah. No, food is definitely weird and definitely hard and like body image stuff is definitely something that think most teenagers go through but I don't know I think I've struggled with it but it's just trying to figure out what makes you feel good true what true. can give you the energy you need drugs, drugs. <laughs> Shelly said drugs <laughs> that's something I don't know remember Shelly we had a friend who used to drink coca-cola all the time to substitute <laughs> water uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you need water sometimes yeah, bro, drink water. Oh, it's please. literally a diet of Coca-Cola and Marlboro Reds. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> so there, there are people like that too, you know? There's yeah. all kinds of people. How, do they, how do they live? <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. It I was, don't know. How do you not just like have headaches all the fucking time? It's a really good question. Have you ever had vertigo? What's that? Um, vertigo is like, it's something to do with your bal- I don't know the science. It's something to do with balance in your ear canal or, or your something like this. And it's like, when I've had it before, it's like you're sitting and like you see this like spinning. You oh. see something next to you spinning and falling. Mm -hmm. Or you think you see something moving and like when you turn your head you get dizzy and you get really nauseous. I don't know, I feel like I get the- I don't know how to describe it exactly, but- Sometimes when I would get up real fast, yeah, dizzy. You know, I would just like go a bit, like you know, everything would get like a bit black or and stuff. And it used to happen before too when I would smoke weed excessively. Yeah, same. I would go completely black for like yeah. two seconds, and I'm just like, what the hell? And then yeah. I come back, you know, and it's so trippy. Yeah. That's when you know you have to stop, kind <laughs> of, you know. Yeah, when it's not fun anymore. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's hurting you. Yeah. 